Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning service, which is a very special service today, as we're uh, giving thanks to God for Jeff and Hannah's faithful ministry over over many years. And I'm sure it's a great encouragement to see so many people gathered together, friends and family, uh, down the years, being here for this uh, special occasion for them. I know many of you will have benefited from their ministry at different times as well. So it's good to give thanks for that. Uh, it's also good to have Andrew Davis preaching this morning. Um, Andrew preached at Jeff and Hannah's uh, wedding, uh, as well as the Jeff's induction service. So it's good to have him here today as well. In case you don't know, Andrew's also John Paul's dad, so there's a good family connection there. I have a special uh, Louvre edition, special colour edition for the occasion this uh, week. So I hope we've got that with all the, uh, the pictures and things. Um, and uh, this evening, I encourage you to come back. Uh, just be preaching, and uh, and I will also be saying some words, so it would be great to come back and support them this evening. Just to say, there will probably be a lot of people here, a lot of people invited from the village, so can you use your morning parking spaces for you regulars, um, and the Catholic Church is also available to park there as well, so please come and park sensibly. And then also finally, harvest is just around the corner, a couple of weeks' time. Um, these the invites are ready to hand out, so do please take a batch afterwards. Well, the rest of the, uh, the week has been uh, chosen by Jeff for appropriate for today uh, from Psalm 118, a couple of different verses from Psalm 118. Um, should hopefully appear on the screen. And it would be good to say this together as we start our service together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Let's pray. Look, God, we do thank you indeed for your goodness. We thank you for your love that endures forever. And we thank you for the way in which you have showed us your love through the sacrifice of your son Jesus, through the gift of your spirit who sustains us day by day through the hope of glory. And we do just pray now that in this service of thanksgiving for, for Jeff and Hannah's ministry, we would all know your goodness, we would know your love uh, more and more deeply, and that we would be encouraged to offer you a greater part of our lives in service to you. So may all our worship this morning be honouring to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But all the uh, hymns and songs this morning and this evening have been chosen by Jeff and Hannah, and uh, they're going to start by singing one of their favourites, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Let's stand to sing. Please take a seat, and Jeff's going to come up and speak to us. Thank you. Well, good morning, and how lovely that so many of you have come today. Um, this is my last children's talk. I'm sure you'll be very disappointed about that. And uh, um, could somebody help me? What does it, when you hear about somebody who's going to retire, what, some of the children first, what do you think uh, comes to mind in the balcony? When you retire, what, what do you think? Okay. Some of the more mature people, <laughs> what's it like when you retire? Wonderful. Okay. 
Here's the definition that I have. To retire is to lose one's job. To stop working. To withdraw, to go away. To depart, to be put out to grass. <laughs> to go to bed. You retire to bed. Call it a day. The courtroom, the jury has retired to decide on the verdict. To cease to participate, to pension off, to withdraw to or from old age, to exit, to remove, to recede, I think. Did you, can you remember all those? Okay. Um, one of the things that um, we like to do as a church is to have work parties and other I know some of you have never been to the work party, so you wouldn't know, would you? Um, <laughs> thank you. Next time, Neil, you... you uh, so, in this work party, uh, if you come into church through uh, at the, the gates, which have been polished and painted superbly for this occasion, so when you go home, go around that way and have a look. You will see the row of lovely trees. They've not been pollarded yet. That means they've cut them off, the tops, and that keeps them healthy. About two years ago, we had a big work party and we were pollarding the trees and I said to somebody who had strictly asked me that he remains nameless, I threw him a lump, a big lump. It's called a burr. Hands up how many have heard what a, uh, of a burr? Fred, you're a country boy, you would know. What's a burr? A knot. A knot or a, a big lump. Is it any good for anything? Burning. Burning, okay. <laughs> yeah, burning. Right. Urine. Crap. You don't know what a burr was. He did. He's too shy to say. Okay. So, what I did was I threw, not threw, acted to him and said, Yeah, do something with that. Now, he could have lit a fire. He could have put it in the garden. But I'll show you what he did. He came about nine months later with that. Look at that. Whoa. Yeah, you say whoa. Now, isn't that superb? Look at the color. Now, a burr is a bit like a carabuncle. You don't have to put your hands up how many have suffered from carabuncles, but they are a nuisance. They're not good for anything. But this, which was useless, Mr. Tomes is a countryman, it would burn well. He took and carved and shaped. Now what would we do with that? Any suggestions? What could you do with that? The collection. I'll start with that. Right. Anything else? One at a time. Right, right. Right. Hands up. What would you do with it? Yes. Put plums, plums in it. That is a good, that is a good, yeah, okay. Any other suggestions? Uh, okay. How often do you say, where did I put my keys? Oh, Pam, you're right, right, are you? Okay. Right, so you could keep your keys. What about loose change? I don't like loose change in my pocket, do you? That would be loose change. Or fruit? Somebody suggested it'd be an ashtray, but I think that was terrible. No. So, something that was useless has become useful. Something that is, is old has been renewed. 
and reshaped. And retirement can do that. I leave that there. Oh, by the way, here's a good suggestion. What if you put sweets in it? <laughs> no, you don't. So we're going to celebrate. So, if, uh, Jake, if I should forget, you know, one of the things about getting old is you get forgetful. If I should forget to have the sweets at the door, would you remind me? You will, thank you. So we've put them in there. Right, that's for when we leave. That's, that's Hannah's bag, by the way. You see that? I know. She wouldn't have Tesco's bag, sorry. I know. Right. Now then, this. <laughs> I'll pay for it after, I'm not sure. This. Then this same person who wants to remain nameless called into the kitchen this week. And he said to me um, that this is called a brazel, a thumbstick. Have any of you heard of that? Fred, yeah, Helen, you have. Good, there you are. So this is a gift. And, uh, Jake, come up here a minute. Thank you. Seeing as you're sitting in the front, good place to be. Right. What do you see there? A cross. Yes. This person said to me, I want you to think about the cross and when we go for walks, which we will do, because walking and talking is a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Do you do that? You do? Yeah, that's good. You talk a lot. Well, you, you, you take after your granddad. You do. I know. You, you sit. Thank you, Jake. That's good. So, uh, this part is hazel. Can anybody guess what that is? This person was walking on the Phoenix route and saw lots of wildlife and trees and shrubs and saw this and saw the potential that it could be. Any suggestions? Willow? No. Say it loud. Blackthorn? No. Who said bramble? Who? Put your hand up. Who said, oh, you up there? Did you know? No, you didn't. Right. That is a bramble. You know blackberries. It's a bramble. And what this person did was to take that, to dry it out, and splice it like that. Now, isn't that something? Something that was useless. A sucker from the bramble becomes something very beautiful. And, uh... I said, now you know what a bishop looks like, because <laughs> he's a crook, as a, as a, a basket crook. So here we are, this shows you what God can do even when people retire, or people might think, that's useless, she's no good, that he isn't of any value. God can take that and shape us and change us. And it's a very powerful thing. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is more important than anything else in all the world. And to illustrate this, I want to ask Peter to come up, please. He's scared stiff, but he'll be okay. Thank you. Good morning. Good. Sit, stand there. Sorry. I'm nervous too, you know. We can... Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you Peter? Yes. And uh, you recently, or in the last couple of years, become a Christian. Tell us how did that happen and when that was. 
Um, <coughs> when did I become a Christian? I can't, uh, I can't say exactly when I became a Christian. Um, but I think what I can say standing here is that I know Jesus as my Saviour. I know that now. Um, how did I get here, I suppose? Well, um, when, uh, when I met Yvonne, when Yvonne and I got together, and she's your wife now. That's correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Just filling in the gap. Sure, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> you know, all the time. Yes. Without trying. Okay, no good. Um, when we got together, Yvonne was a Christian. She's a Christian. I was not a Christian, not brought up in a Christian family at all. So, um, our relationship needed to uh, find some common ground where I needed to understand what, where Yvonne was coming from and, and how we could build on our relationship. Um, as a result, if you like, of us getting together, I attended an Alpha course and that gave me some insight into Christianity and faith and I suppose um, pushed me on the way towards becoming a Christian. Um, moving on from there, as a result of that we began to look for a church that we could attend together. Yvonne had been a regular churchgoer, I was not a churchgoer and so we needed to find somewhere that we could both attend and enjoy that company and place. And uh, we eventually found Long Crenna Baptist Church and we thought that we could, we came here, busy place, lots of people, we thought we could um, just sit in the corner, actually over here, <laughs> quietly blend in and uh, get on and enjoy our time at church. But uh, as we found out yesterday, Hannah is an active member. Yeah, yeah, no, so, very soon, very, the first day probably, uh, Hannah and yourself came to see us, to speak to us and get to know us. And Yvonne had a very difficult time at church early on and you and Hannah especially were an amazing support to both of us. And um, uh, then we... Um, we, we wanted to get married and with Yvonne's background and her uh, time at home, we couldn't really get married in a church so we, we had a, um, a secular marriage, a religious <laughs> ceremony uh, in, a, in a registry office if you like, which is wholly secular service. There is no Christian, no faith reference in that at no. all. Not even, you're not even allowed to have him in the church. No. So, which is something we wanted to do, have that, that service, so we were married in the eyes of the law, but there was no reference to God or faith or anything in that. So, mm. we wanted to, um, I'm getting some of this, obviously, we'll <laughs> um, we wanted to bring God into our relationship, our marriage somehow. So, we asked you if we could have a blessing at the church. Mm which you can't yes. agree. And then we met in my home and the point I took you was to, to be united in marriage but to be united in the Lord and we prayed together and you said that was a start. Yeah, it was that moment really when 
we were sitting in your front room and yeah. uh, we were talking about um, uh, our marriage and the ceremony, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to get from that. And you asked me quite clearly and directly, do you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Mm. I remember I had my head in my, head in my hands and uh, a whole lot of emotions came over me, a lot of, sort of thoughts came to mind. Different things that had happened to me since you and I had met mm. kind of rushed together. And uh, yes, I put my faith in Jesus Christ at that point. And you were baptized subsequently? And now, yes, yeah, two years on, yes, yeah, two years later, October 2012. So I know I'm going to give you a final leading question, but what is church really like? Most people in view of church, I, you, you wouldn't come if you didn't want to, would you? No. No, I know that. Mm. So why do you come? Um, it's um, spiritually enlightening. Um, an amazing group of people to be with, to encourage you, right. uh, to encourage them to get involved in an amazing yeah. amount of things, meet with people on a weekly basis that yeah. uh, talk about issues, stuff that you wouldn't normally talk about in your everyday work life. Yes, and work life, just finally, you run your own business, you employ people, it's, it's, uh, yet you wouldn't work on Sunday, now no. you well, just want, well if you have to, but as a rule you would say you wouldn't. And a, a complete day off. Yes. The weekend is off, really. Try to. We could work. I was speaking to somebody last night. We could work seven days, seven till seven at the moment, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but, um, and I'm sure the lads that work for me would be desperate for the overtime to get yeah. extra money. But That's good. Yeah. Peter, thank you for sharing that. That's very fine indeed. God bless you. It's really good. Thank you. And that just reminds us to, if the group can come up, please, that we should really take our opportunities as we think of coming here like this. Um, you will have heard of the blind uh, writer Helen Keller and uh, this is what she said, use your eyes as if tomorrow you would never see again. Then she went on to say, hear the music of voices, the song of a bird, as if you would be struck deaf. Teach, touch each object as if Tomorrow your sense of touch would fail. Smell the perfume of flowers. Taste with relish each morsel as if tomorrow you could never smell or taste again. And take your opportunities as if tomorrow you would never hear the good news of Jesus Christ again. And that's a great thing. So hence standing up to sing, the Lord's my shepherd, and he's with us in the dark times and in the light times, good and bad. Let's stand and sing that together. Thank you. Please take a seat. I'd like to invite um, Jeff and Hannah to uh, just come forward at this point. I know you don't like a fuss being made of you both, but... Um, um, no, no, you... <laughs> As a church, we would like to express, express to you our um, appreciation for your love and support for the whole congregation uh, over the years, and we'd like to do that in a way. We've got a couple of um, gifts here, which um, are going to come forward.
just to explain to everybody what we've got here, we've got uh, well, it's, uh, a card with um, a monetary gift, people have contributed more from the church. Um, um, you can do that later if you like. Um, but um, no, you can open the card and see all the various comments made. But um, um, yeah, everyone wanted to sort of express their appreciation for you both. Um, in the photo book, I think there is about um, 500 or photos um, people have um, dug out from their collections and uh, we put them together in one place showing the life of the church over the years that you've been here, so hopefully you'll enjoy um, looking through that. Um, what we put in the introduction to that, we found um, something that Jeff wrote about six years after he came to the church, wow. and I'm going to just read out what you wrote then, Jeff. Oh, I see. This is, this is, what, um, this is what Jeff wrote. That's very good stuff. Um, my turning to God was radical. I never turned back. My lifestyle and thinking, everything changed dramatically. When I became a Christian, I felt a great urge to preach the gospel that has never left me. I was so convinced myself that I wanted other people to know. Immediately, I finished my apprenticeship. I had four years theological training at Bible College. Hannah and I gradually got to know each other and knew it was right we should get married. There is no substitute for the preaching of the gospel. I preach from the Bible, which is a handbook for life. It's God's word, and it does work. The greatest proof of the gospel is changed lives, as people are brought into contact with their Creator. My ministry includes counselling too. People come with all sorts of problems. There are crisis points in life. Many will say they've been worried. Others want to talk things out. And it is my privilege to be able to point them to the Saviour, who alone has the power to change and transform lives and give them a future and a hope. I was only recently made aware of that article, but um, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because um, it's something I've certainly had a passion for to see how I'd saved by Christ. And I think it's probably that same passion that we share that you yeah. enabled us to yeah. work together for, for so many years. So um, we do give thanks to the Lord for that. Um, what we also put in the, um, the beginning to that, um, uh, that photo book is the reason why we're giving it to you. And um, this is what we put in there. So as we put this album together as a celebration of all that God has done over the last 37 years through your ministry at LCBC. We hope that if you enjoy looking through it, you'll be reminded of God's goodness, love and faithfulness. And we also pray that wherever the Lord leads you, you will continue to point people to the Saviour who has the power to change and transform lives. Thank you. Thank you, thank you love more than that. Good. I know you're going to say something tonight. Did you want to say anything else? Or you going to say that for later? Can I keep my powder dry? Yeah. No, no, you've heard enough from me. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. I think we could just to give thanks to the Lord now for that. Let's pray. Lord, we do indeed thank you for the power to to change lives, to give love to the unloved, forgiveness to the unforgiven, hope to the hopeless. And we thank you for all the people whose lives have been changed by you through Jeff and Anna's ministry. The adults who've come to faith, the children and young people who've grown up through this church. We thank you for Jeff and Hannah's interest and concern for people, their passion to, to share the gospel 
and their impact on this community. And we thank you for their keenness to ensure that the gospel has been at the centre of all they've done and that this has been known as a church where your word is faithfully taught and cherished. And we thank you for all those who served with them and over the years, either in full-time or voluntary capacities, the different leadership teams, and those who've gone out from this place to serve elsewhere, uh, some of whom are here with us this morning. And we thank you for our Hannah's ministry to the, to the elderly, the gifts you've given her of patience and care and encouragement that she's put to good use. And we thank you for the warmth of their welcome and their unceasing hospitality. And we thank you that you have sustained them over such a period of time and pray that you'll continue to do so in the future. And may they and all of us take to heart your words that you have given us in the Bible, that we should trust in you with all our hearts, that we should not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways submit to you that you would make our path straight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, just to say there will be at the end of the service some of these photos being shown on the screen so you'll have a chance to look at some of them then. Um, not everybody you'll probably get a chance to look at the book. We can um, send that around. There's a way we can uh, give you a chance to look at it um, online. So if you'd like to know how to do that get in touch with Liz, I think, with Helen. Um, Liz, great. Now I'm going to hand over to Val, who has uh, known Ken, no, she's known Ken for many, many years. <laughs> that was a really slick introduction there. <laughs> I said you've known Ken for many years, which is a really school of us. But he's also known... <laughs> he's been having for quite a while. <laughs> he has a few words. Being asked to speak on occasions such as this is difficult, not only is it emotional, but uh, it's knowing what to say and what not to say. <laughs> so I have written it down so that I don't waffle on and so that I just keep to the time that Jeff said I have. <laughs> Many of the congregation who have joined the church in recent years will probably think this is how it's always been, full, lively and thriving. But no, when Jeff first arrived, there were just a handful of us, and there were more older people than there were younger. We'd had a four-year interregnum, and things were just a little bit difficult after our previous minister left. And our visiting preachers during the interregnum spoke Sunday after Sunday about love, to such an extent that some of the members were asking the secretary you telling those guys what to preach? We were obviously lacking love at that time. One of our oldest members at the time, Violet Shrimpson, remarked that we'll never find a man that will suit us all. But it was thrilling to see God touching individual lives and slowly we were bound together in God's love and made ready for the next stage in this church's history. How excited we were when this young man heeded God's call to come and shepherd us. He must have been very sure of his calling, as during the sermon on one of his visits, I can't remember if it was when he came to preach with a view, because he came on more than one occasion, but he used the phrase, I am the man you are seeking. <laughs> that was good enough for us. 
We were slightly more worried, however, when he raced into the village in his mini. He had a very heavy right foot in those days, and he used to frighten us all to death with his driving. The first months was a few doors along the, ro- along the Tuesday Road, but a couple of years into their ministry, we had great fun pushing all their personal possessions along the road on poultry farm flat trucks to their new home, the present months. The church structure was quite different too. There was no administrator, no elders, no home group, no music group, no modern songs, I don't think. We had a secretary, a treasurer, and deacons. The first summer of his ministry, Jeff instigated the first children's summer holiday club, later to be known as Five for Twelve Club. But for years, we ran it for five days, morning and afternoon. This was one of the first outreaches and helped us to build bridges with families in the village. We had been quite an insular church, and the village had a very strange view of those Baptists. Hannah started a Tuesday ladies' coffee morning with a speaker which was held in different homes and non-church village ladies were invited to join with us, some of whom came to the Sunday services and made commitments. We then held all-night prayer meetings to pray in the husbands. We also did door-to-door visitation in Long Crendon and on Lee Park. I don't know anybody who actually enjoyed doing this, but somehow you couldn't say no to Jeff. <laughs> The worst bit of it was meeting at the manse and waiting to be told who you were going to be paired off with for the evening. (laughs) God did honour this, though, despite our reticence, and four people that I know of attended church and were saved because LCBC knocked on their door. And for the first time in many years, the manse was now an open house, and Hannah and Jeff's generous hospitality over the years has been amazing. We've been treated to good expository preaching, having the Bible and its practical application to daily life clearly explained. The ministry has been heavily minded, but his feet have always been on the ground. And although I haven't always understood some of the long words that Jeff uses, I and many others have been blessed by his ministry, his wisdom, his practical help, and just knowing that he's always been there for us. Our family has been truly blessed personally, as have many other families here. All four of our children have come to love the Lord and been baptised during his ministry, and now three of our grandchildren, for which we are grateful to the Lord. All glory has to be given to God for the way that he has used Jeff and Hannah, and for the way that they have been prepared to be used over these past 37 years to bring us to where we are today, moving us from a small village church to a church where people come to worship from a much wider area because they're sure of hearing a full gospel message. Through good and difficult times, they have been so faithful in their witness for him, and we thank God for them. Thank you, Valerie, for sticking to time, something I've never done. Uh, We're going to sing again, and then Andrew Davis is going to 
bring God's word to us. Well, thank you for the invitation to be here today. Very special day for you all. And we're so glad to be here. I have the honor of preaching at Jeff and Hannah's wedding and at his induction. And I was just farewell. First time I've ever been called a bookend. <laughs> and now a retired bookend. Really is wonderful to be here. And it brings back so many, so many happy memories of these two. And of you all, because my brother and his wife were here for three months in New Zealand doing exchange with Jeff and Hannah. And uh, the Winford is now in heaven. Jean is still with us. And they always spoke with great affection of those three months here. They would have loved to have come back and stayed here. So thank you. Well, what do you say? Well, I want to just read a few verses, if I may, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want us to think just briefly. I won't be long. Uh, I promise. About what we expect of Christian leaders and what Christian leaders are really meant to do. I won't read the whole section. I'll just read a few verses from the end of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians and then a couple of verses from chapter 4. Paul wrote to these Corinthian Christians, Don't deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise, by the standards of this age he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. And then at the end of that chapter, chapter 4, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Now, these words are a conclusion, as you can see, from an extended argument in which Paul has been pointing out to these Corinthian Christians the danger of elevating and adulating men. And the reason why he has done that, it's not inappropriate for me to say that, by the way, as I shall show you in a moment. The reason why he does that is because in the gospel, only God is anything. Only Jesus Christ is anything. He's laid that principle before us right at the very beginning. He says, nobody is to boast in the flesh. Our boasting is in Jesus Christ alone, who is our wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The Corinthians had these favorite men. One was Paul, one was Apollos, one was Cephas. And they were forming parties around them. And in doing that, in elevating one man, of course they were demeaning the others. And what Paul is content to point out here is that 
God's servants are his gift to the church. They are to be valued and loved. They are our heritage. It's part of his wonderful goodness to us that he has given us people like this. So we are to honor them in the right way. And Paul here is talking about how to honor them and how to thank God for them. And here we are to thank God for Jeff and Hannah. And there are three reasons, Paul tells us, why that is so. If you remember, if you are familiar with this passage at all, you will know that um, he points out that in the gospel of Christ, human beings are always, always humbled, and God is always exalted. That's true in the message of the cross, which is God's foolishness, but it's the way by which people are forgiven and brought to know God through Jesus Christ who died for our sins and is alive to accept us as his children. That's the gospel. Who does God choose to save? Not many mighty or noble or wise, but foolish people, non-entities. How does God communicate the message to us? Through preaching. How does this message come to us in the first place? Through the revelation of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And in all of that, God is glorified and human beings are given their proper place. And Paul works that out in terms of Christian leadership. And it's a very important passage, this. Because what he is really saying is that leaders, godly leaders, are a rich provision from our Heavenly Father for us, and we are to thank God for them. And that's the right way to honor them. He does that in these three ways. Let me simply pick out the three images or metaphors that he uses. The first is the image of a servant. He says, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. The word he uses there is the word from which we get our English word deacon. Previously in the former chapter he uses another word, the word huperites, which in the Greek means an under-rower in a galleon. There were galleons, big ships, and at the very base of the ship there would be these under-rowers under the authority of a, a captain. And Paul is saying, now, that's what your leaders are. They're servants. They're under-rowers. He's talking about the need for humility in them and for gratitude in people. So the emphasis here is on humble service of a great and a glorious Saviour, Jesus Christ. And he uses images to convey that to us. He talks about a field in which one plants and another waters. But it's God's field. He makes things grow. He talks about a building in which there is one foundation laid, but God appoints people to build on that one foundation with gold and silver and precious stones and as a result the work remains because the materials are permanent and precious and he's saying now God's servants are important they plant, they water they build but the field is God's and the building is God's so the humble service of a servant is what leadership is really all about. I'm reminded of a Chinese philosopher who said, the best leader 
is the person who, when he has left, the people say, we did that. The humble service of a leader. You may have heard the story of the fisherman. I, I used to love fishing and I, I identify with the story. Two fishermen. One, a man who had all the new modern equipment. And a little boy with a stick and a line and a hook. And there they were at the riverbank. And the man with all the fine, glorious equipment couldn't catch a fish. But this little boy over there, with his stick and his line and hook, he was pulling them in, one after the other. So the man went over and said to the little boy, Excuse me, Sonny, if I give you five pounds, can I come where you are and you can stand where I have been? Well, yes, mister, he said. Okay, I'll, I'll, he took the five pounds and, of course, the same thing happened. The little boy was pulling the fish in, and the fisherman, with all his glorious gear, couldn't catch a fish. So he went over and said to the boy, Tell me, why, why, why are you catching fish and I can't? Well, it's very simple, he said. Very simple. You're too big. The fish can see you. <laughs> There's a message there. There really is a message there. Our Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself. So he's the King of glory and the Son of God. He became a human person. He lived here. He felt the wind you felt this morning. The sun that we felt on our faces. He felt that. He's been here. Jesus Christ has been here. And he's been to the cross. And on the cross he took our sins. All of them away. Forever. And when we trust in him we are cleansed and forgiven and made new men and women. And he's alive to welcome us into his presence. Jesus Christ. We are servants of Jesus Christ. No greater honor. No greater privilege. Wonderful to know that there's a God who loved us so much that he gave us his son. And through him we receive eternal life. The second image here is of a steward. Paul says, you're to think of us as stewards or those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now a steward in New Testament times in the Greek world would have been the, the manager of a household responsible for dispersing the monies and looking after the economy and, and then distributing the goods to the household. He would have been under the authority of the owner of the household. A very important person, you remember how Joseph was a steward in the house of Potiphar in Egypt many centuries earlier. And Paul is saying, now, you're to think of us as stewards of the secret things of God. That is to say, God has entrusted certain goods to us. We are to disperse them, we are to share them, we are to give them. We are to do that gladly and willingly under his authority. That's our task. And he's really referring here, of course, to the Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of God, and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The two things go together. So a pastor preacher a minister of the word is to minister the things that are revealed in the scriptures. We've heard already this morning that that is what Jeff has been doing. He's been expounding the Bible. He's been explaining the Bible. He's been talking not of his own views, but about the Bible. And about Jesus Christ, who is the center of it all. And that's a tremendous blessing for a congregation of people. 
It's the pastor's task. And he brings out of his treasures things old and new. And there's a freshness in the Word of God that is able to equip the saints for their ministries. So a congregation expects its pastor to do that. And he will seek to do it well. Stewards, faithful to the goods entrusted to their charge. And then the third picture is that of a father. It's a lovely picture, but it needs to be treated with care because Jesus said we are not to call anybody on earth our father in the sense that only God is our father. However, Paul does pick out two things here about those who are the leaders or the servants of God's people to justify this metaphor. A father. He talks first of all about the fact that uh, some people have come to know Christ as a result of the ministry of his servants. You do not have many fathers, he said, because in Jesus Christ I became your father through the gospel. How wonderful that there are some of you here this morning who came to know God as your father and Jesus Christ as your saviour through a couple who never had children of their own. But they've got a rich family. What a privilege that is. There's no greater joy than to lead a sinner to Christ and to say to a sinner, Jesus Christ receives sinners. There's no greater honor or privilege in the world. There isn't. So that's a great honor and a blessing. But then Paul also adds this. He talks about the example, the loving example of a father. He says, I will come to you very soon and I will speak to you as I ought to speak to you as your father. I want to remind you of my life in Jesus Christ, the way I lived my life, my example. Paul is not your boasting. He's simply saying, like a father, I try to help you and to guide you and to be an example to you and an encouragement to you. I thought to be firm and fair but loving. Our oldest boy, Mark, when we were in Kenton, we were coming home one Sunday night from the evening service, and he was about four, I suppose, and he said to his mum, Mum, he said, I'd like to be like Dad when I grow up. And she thought, well, he's obviously been stirred by the sermon tonight, and uh, he wants to be a pastor. What do you mean? Well, I want to make the toast, he said, in the morning. <laughs> well, that was his ambition. He's lived up to it. <laughs> I want to be like Dad when I grow up. Yes. That's wonderful. If you've got a father like that, I want to be like my father when I grow up. I had a father like that, thank God. Many people don't. But even if you don't have an earthly father like that, you have a heavenly father like that. And here is somebody whom God has given you as a father and a mother to be an example to you. And that's what they've been. We've heard about that over and over again. It's not just what they've said, it's the way they've been. We've heard already this morning about Hannah's hug. I've still got a couple of broken ribs. <laughs> and Jeff, you should see him at the rugby international. He just 
thrilled you with tragic testimony. Wonderful. They're like a father and mother, aren't they? And what a joy it is to help people like that. That's real leadership. That's real tenderness and gentleness and firmness and the kind of care that fathers alone can give. Now, I'm a grandfather, and it's a different relationship we have with our grandchildren. I don't have the same authority. Grandparents can spoil their grandchildren, can't they? We tend, we tend to overlook things and condone things. But John Paul and Kim, their relationship with the children is quite different. There's that final word, that authority. It's a wonderful privilege to have a father like that. And Paul is saying, that's what I've tried to be to you. I've tried to be with Apollos and others. I've tried to be a humble servant. I've tried to be a faithful steward. I've tried to be a caring, loving father, setting you an example. That's what I've tried to be. So don't make too much of Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Value them all. Paul was a theologian. He thought logically. Peter was an illustrational preacher. His writings are full of pictures. Apollos was a wonderful orator. They were all God's gift to the church. We're all different. Every pastor is different. And meant to be different. That's what it's all about. Value them all. Accept them all. Love them all. John Calvin and Martin Luther. John Wesley and that great preacher, George Whitfield. John Stott and Martin Lloyd-Jones. Sing the hymns of Charles Wesley and Stuart Tonin. Value them all. God's gift to you. Well, it's a tremendous privilege for me to be here today. It really is. It's always an honor to minister the Word of God, but especially on a day like this. May all the glory go to God. May all the praise go to Jesus Christ. But our warmest, warmest thanks to you. Thank you. When we were in Kenton, Hannah will remember this, our church secretary was Anthony Williams for a while. Anthony had a glorious baritone voice. He sang with the Glyndebourne Company and um, he recently died. And uh, one Saturday night, I don't know whether you were there, Hannah, uh, we, we had a church anniversary and he sang the hymn, you know, the thing to close. The following Monday, my father had a tremendous stroke. I sat with him for two days and two nights, not wondering whether he was going to live or die. And I could hear Anthony's voice singing this great hymn. The Lord is King. Let's stand to sing it. So we remain standing for prayer. Lord, we stand in your presence being thankful for your great grace and goodness to us personally and collectively. Lord, we come to you this morning and thank you for that
personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Would you hear all of our prayers individually? And as we stand together, we ask that leaving this place, we might know that as we reach out to you, you come to us and the girding us with your goodness and leading us into the coming days. Would you hear all our unspoken prayers, those today who feel in a very acute way the loss of a loved one? And for those whose joy is overwhelming and for all of us as we journey together in faith may we know that you are the Emmanuel that you are with us truly now may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen and may we share in the grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Please be seated. Helen has just told me we have Welsh cakes. Do we have a lot? Right. Um, celebrations at the door. Welsh cakes through there. There's ample refreshment. And I know some of you have come considerable distances uh, for from past assistants and various folk who've come and gone. It'll be great to chat. Uh, there's ample refreshment. Please take the opportunity to do that. Thanks very much. Welsh cakes are waiting.